welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Josefa Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Well, today I have a guest on the show who's already been on the show, episode 175. His episode was downloaded, was one of the most downloaded episodes of the podcast. And so it only makes sense to get him back. And so I welcome Eric Muller. How's it going, Eric? Going great, man. It's going great. It's good to be back. I appreciate it. Appreciate the invite. Yeah, absolutely. No, a lot of people loved uh, the episode that we did uh, a while back. And mm-hmm. I know you've got a lot, lot of stuff going on. We've been talking quite a bit about uh, what's going on. But do you want to just want to sh- uh, give the listeners an idea of uh, kind of a refreshment for those who listen to episode 175, uh, what you're yeah. up to in San Diego? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm based here in San Diego and uh, I've been out here for about three years now, originally from uh, New Jersey. Um, I run a company here uh, in San Diego called Hometel and we do um, luxury Airbnbs all throughout San Diego. We have properties in Colorado and had them down in Mexico at one point. So a little bit all over the place. Uh, so we run those, those luxury properties, uh, a mix of leases and co-hosting. Um, and then I'm also the, uh, the host of the Airbnb Mastery Summit, which is a uh, three-day virtual event, which you were a part of last year. That's how we met. And um, just, uh, just recently just launched uh, our new product called the Co-Host Mastery. So yeah, we have our, you know, we have a lot of irons in the fire right now, building, building a pretty awesome team. Uh, really excited about the the luxury Airbnb market here in San Diego and other markets, and then really excited about what's happening in the uh, in the co-host and Airbnb Mastery Summit space as well. Cool, and we just had some pretty positive news come out of San Diego as, yeah. as the council. Uh, well, I'll let you. I'll let you tell the story. Yeah, of course. Yeah, just last night um, it was probably around four o'clock uh, Pacific. The, uh, the city just rescinded a law that they passed two months ago. So to kind of give the full story, um, Airbnb or short-term rentals were never really regulated here in San Diego. They, uh, they had a, a certain TOT tax in place, but there was never licenses or any type of restrictions whatsoever, uh, which is one of the main reasons why uh, this market attracted me to build my business here. Um, but there's been a battle going on for the last year or so to pass some type of short-term rental law. And just two months ago, I think it was about 60 days ago, the council passed this crazy, crazy short-term rental law, just completely restricting short-term rentals here in San Diego, greater San Diego City. Uh, and they had some really tough 
laws in place as far as, you know, it had to be primary, your primary home only. Uh, you can only rent up to uh, six months out of the year if you, if you don't, uh, if you're traveling or not in the home. Three day minimums, high taxes, uh, licenses, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and it passed with uh, pretty big support in the council. Uh, of course, Airbnb, HomeAway, all of that came together. We got about 60,000 uh, signatures to kind of fight the law. And just yesterday, went back to the council, and the council reversed the law that they, that they voted. Um, so as of right now, honestly, it's all brand new. I don't fully understand what is taking place. But the good thing is the law that they did vote into place 60 days ago won't be going into action right away at least. So I'm sure we're going to have some type of regulations in place. Hopefully it's in support of short-term rentals, um, but time will only tell. So as of right now, it's, you know, we're pretty excited about it. Just out of curiosity, why did they vote again? Um, well, what, it's so funny out here. It's, I don't want to create any type of conspiracy theories, but uh, you know, you, I, I went to all of the, well, most of the council meetings and they were some of the biggest council meetings I've ever seen. You know, they had the room split in half with people, uh, locals in support of short-term rentals and on the other half against short-term rentals. And everyone was trying to figure out an easy middle ground, which sounded like we were going down that direction. And then out of nowhere, the council voted on this crazy, crazy law. Uh, to ban it, to restrict it. As soon as that went into place, everyone realized that not only will operators like myself and property managers and investors lose the opportunity of running short-term rentals in San Diego, um, but the real estate market could have gotten disrupted. You know, this is a secondary market for a lot of people. So buying properties here when they're living in a different state and running a short-term rental is a good way for them to afford these high San Diego prices, you know? So long story short, a lot of people came together within those 60 days to sign that, um, to sign, uh, so Airbnb and HomeAway worked together to get over 60,000 signatures. So now that they had the, the voice from the pub, public saying, hey, we don't want this vote, uh, the way that you guys put it into place, that caused the city to go back to the drawing table and re-vote again on the law. So we'll see where it goes. But again, as of right now, it's, it's good news for us. Yeah, well, that's great. Congratulations. That's good news. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, obviously, there's a lot of places where councils are, are uh, implementing all sorts of regulations. And one of those places is, uh, is Long Beach, not too far away from where you are. In San Diego, mm -hmm. I actually got an email from somebody who runs a short-term rental management company in uh, Long Beach, California, and there the council is going to vote in the next month or so. And this person asked me a very a question that you probably get a lot as well. Um, mm -hmm. Because obviously, if you run a short-term rental management company and there's going to be you know, restrictions coming up, then you're going to you're going to worry about your business. You're going to worry about your clients. And so this question is really, are there any potential workarounds if, if there's going to be restrictions into place? 
with regards to the uh, the short-term rental market. And I'm sure you've thought about this as well since this law got passed a couple of months ago in, in San Diego. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's tricky. I, I get that question multiple times a day. Um, and it, it's really tricky to, to respond to that um, because, as you know, every single city has a different short-term rental uh, regulations or laws in place. So I'm not fully updated on what's happening in Long Beach. Um, I do know that they're trying to put something in place that's similar to what San Diego just passed, right? So, and I'm noticing a trend. I'm noticing more and more cities are putting really restrictive um, short-term rental regulations in place to restrict operators like myself who lease up a, a bunch of properties. Um, we're going to get ready to start buying properties in the future for this model. And then of course we, we co-host with, with investors. So they try to restrict the amount of licenses or how many units professionals are running. Uh, obviously really affects property managers, um, especially if they're working with secondary homeowners or investors. Um, it really restricts how much they can grow their business. So what, what we've done, I, I'm, I, I'm a big advocate of playing by the rules. You know, I, I know plenty of people in New York City and San Francisco that, that run, you know, their operations uh, be, behind the scenes, behind the curtain, trying to prevent the city from understanding what they're doing. And to me, that's just, that's not a great way to, to build a business in a city, you know. You want to work with the cities and the community. That's really challenging when you're in a city that just does not want your business model there for whatever reason. So what we've done here in San Diego with Hometel, knowing that those laws are going to come eventually, we actually slowed down the amount of leases that we're taking into the company. So for, for people that are listening that don't really understand that model, what we do is we lease a property from an owner, stage it, and then re-rent it back out on Airbnb. It's called master leasing. We did a lot of those and we, that's how we built our company. So we actually stopped doing that and focused more on partnering with the individual owner of the property. And we're calling it co-hosting where we partner with the owner, the owner owns the property, they can legally get a license, short-term rental license for that one property. And then we step in, run our Airbnb through the property and then split the profits at the end of the month. So that's one way that we're working with our company to prevent being shut down in the middle of the night, essentially, if they pass a law saying that residents can only have X amount of short-term rental licenses. So that's, that's one way. And then the second way is really getting involved on a city level, uh, voicing your opinion of why short-term rentals are so important to our communities. You know, And just like here in San Diego, they passed this crazy law and all the residents came together, 60,000 residents in about 30 days came together to voice their opinion on this law. And you know, that's proof right there yesterday that they, you know, they, they're listening to the residents. They understand that this is a valuable industry. So now they're going to reconsider how they regulate it. There's a really the only two ways that we know to fight a city or, or 
or work around those challenges is switching up the business model of focusing with the people and working with the people that can actually get the short-term rental licenses. And then two, literally getting involved on a daily basis, voicing your opinion with the city. Other than that, I, I haven't been able to figure out how to, how to work around really restrictive regulations. Can you explain a little bit more about the difference between the sort of co-hosting model that you just mentioned and uh, the, um, the short-term rental management model? Yeah. Yeah, so it's very, very similar to a short-term rental management model. Um, so a lot of people get mixed up with co-hosting and vacation rental management. So what we do is with the co-host models, we like to focus with partnering with the investor on their property. So we work with real estate investors and people who own second, second homes. Um, we typically stay outside the vacation rental markets because it's very, the season, seasonality of it is really difficult to maintain in a lot of communities, uh, maintain your business in those communities. So we seek out investors who own multiple properties or uh, in our case, we, we work with uh, large luxury properties and we partner with them on a level to where we're actually in this property, not just running the Airbnb, but we're looking at this asset as if it's our own, trying to figure out how to make this more profitable on a daily basis from not only the marketing and the hospitality and you know seamless turnovers and five-star standards, but working with them to figure out how do we um, make it more profitable and lower their expenses you know, on the home. So by doing different audits with the electrical use, um, things like that, uh, figuring out how we can add in different, different features into the home to make it more profitable. So we're actually running these properties as if it's our own. The only difference is we're not leasing it. The pro uh, we, we just split the profits essentially at the, at the end of the month with the owners. Where vacation rentals is a little bit more marketing, cleaning, and then sending, sending a check at the end of the month. You know, it's a little bit less involved with the properties. So for example, in the co-hosting model, do you furnish the properties yourself? Sometimes, sometimes we'll furnish them. Um, most of the time, luckily being here in Southern California, there is a lot of furnished luxury homes and, uh, that's why we chose that market. Plus it's, it's a lot of fun and they're really, really profitable. Um, but sometimes we'll come in, uh, developers who are building really beautiful luxury homes that they can't sell. We'll put a deal together with them where we step in, we'll paint it, we'll furnish it, uh, but there's no lease. And at the end of the month, we'll take 50% of the profits and divvy them back out 50%. If the property is full, and we don't have to invest any money into it, we'll take 30% of uh, gross revenue. So yeah, it's not 50-50 profits, 50-50 gross revenue. Um, same thing on if it's fully furnished. So we typically try to go down the route of bringing on fully furnished properties because it's a good way to, to expand our business, get a lot of cash flow coming into the, prop, into the business without investing any money into the assets. Right, so this is a different model than the than the typical um, 
release model, right? where you lease an apartment off the owner for two or three years and then and you put it on Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah. The only difference, uh, well, there's a couple of differences um, between that model. The biggest is, of course, the investment into the properties, you know, so that's how I started in Airbnb. We, when I got here in San Diego, I just leased up everything and get my hands on. And uh, we started running into these law changes in little cities around San Diego County. And I started realizing that this is the way of the future. You know, more and more cities are going to restrict how many short-term rental licenses they give out to one individual or entity. And we would invest into a property, sign a lease, um, put a security deposit down, stage it, which typically, you know, all of that typically cost us 15 to 25,000 per property. And out of nowhere, within a few months, a city would change their law, you know, or we would have a problem with the, with the building or a neighbor, something like that. So we started trying to figure out how can we continue to use our team systems and processes to grow our business without risking that $25,000. And we found that the co-hosting is not only better, it's not only is it easier to scale our short-term rental business, but it's, um, it's easy. It's actually more profitable than leases because it takes us about nearly two years to recoup that investment on a property where co-hosting we'll get properties in here where we don't invest a dime and within 30 days it's cash flow. So that's why we're, we're doubling down on the co-hosting model. Because, okay. So just so I understand correctly. So if you were doing the co-hosting model, you're not uh, renting out all those places. They're, they're, they're in the name of the owner. Exactly. So that's exactly. why it's easier to, to scale when there's, when there's regulation restricting the amount of licenses that you can get. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So we're, we're in a community, we, we had about six units leases in a community that changed their laws pretty quickly and they restricted it to where they were, they will only give out one, um, two licenses, one for your primary home and a second for an investment home. So that's all they would issue out. Um, and we were looking at different angles of how can we work around that law and the best way that we found was instead of us as Hometel, the entity receiving the license, we would go and partner with the individuals that can get those licenses who have investment properties. So they get it. We partner with them. We're not leasing it, but we run the Airbnb. And then at the end of the month, we divvy up the revenue. Right. That makes a little sense. So that's uh, that could be an option for uh, for people, other people out there, um, like uh, for example, uh, the the listener who sent me the question about Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so, great. So, so I tell everybody, I tell everybody that the co-host model is really good for two two reasons. One is to you know to get into the industry and start building a short-term rental business really quick you can go out and find somebody to partner with literally within 30 days. If you put the focus into it, get a property, you partner with them, you start running the Airbnb. So it's a good way to get into the industry and start growing a short term rental business without having to invest a ton of money into a lease or furniture. Uh, two, it's really good to hedge against the law changes and or scale your operation 
for bringing in revenue for the people who want to get 10, 20, 30, 40 units is a really good way of doing that without having to go put, put leases together, security deposits and all that furniture, you know? So it's a, it's a good way to just inject revenue into your company. Now I'm sure that the number one question that people will have when they hear this is how, how do you find those investors? Yeah. So we, uh, we have a few, we have a few different ways of how we're going to approach this. And we're actually doing a training on this um, in upcoming weeks on how we're, how we put these deals together. Um, our approach, it's very simple. And I get a lot of students who always ask me that question. And I tell them that it's really, it's not easy, but it's simple. And it's all about consistency. So we have a process where we, we have three avenues. The most profitable right now is realtor.com and Craigslist. We literally have a team all day long who goes through Craigslist and realtor.com and sends an email sequence out to people who are looking to lease fully furnished properties. That's our first step is to go to contact those people that are actively looking for long-term lease. So we're going through there. We introduce ourselves, introduce the model to them and schedule an appointment. And then we go out and start talking, talking to them one-on-one. -on -one. That does one or two things. One, you can find the actual property that way. Two, building relationships in your community with realtors and investors. Um, and then I also recommend if people are, they have, they're established, they have their short-term rental business in their community is to start talking and educating the community about their model. Um, and that's what we do quite often here in San Diego. We run uh, two different events, local events, where we invite investors, realtors, brokers, anybody in the real estate industry out to educate them on short-term rentals in Airbnb. And we get a lot of deals every single month through that model. It really doesn't cost us anything. And we have about 50 to 100 people that come out every single month that are local to those events. Those are our two main avenues of how we get properties. The third is a little bit more advanced. We, we invest quite a bit of money into uh, re, uh, retargeting ads on Facebook, Google, Google AdWords, all that, all that jazz. That's a whole nother podcast. Talk about that stuff. <laughs> you're, you said you're hosting a training, a training, like a webinar. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, so not this upcoming Thursday, the following Thursday, we're doing a, I, I always say it's a one hour training, but typically it turns into a two hour training. Um, I'm literally breaking down. I'm doing a whole overview of the co-host model of how we built our business here in San Diego with the co-host model. Um, and then we, we're going to introduce the tools that we're using to systematize our company and really scale our company. So, uh, and it's a free training. So whoever's listening, I'm sure we can post the link, but they can find it at uh, cohostmastery.com slash Airbnb dash masterclass. So again, that's cohostmastery.com slash Airbnb dash masterclass. Um, so we're, we're literally just going to open to our community of how we're scaling our co-host business. Very cool. So that's first day, November 1st, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I'm going to be, I fly to Singapore on that day, but hopefully uh, 
Very nice. Hopefully, if I'm not on the plane, I'll, I'll certainly join. I love it. I love it. I'll send you the replay if you're not. <laughs> well, I definitely want to see it because I'm, uh, I'm pretty curious. Um, you know, I, I would say of, of all the Airbnb sort of influencers and people out there, uh, I, I'm always really interested in, in what you're up to because you, you, you always seems to be killing it. So uh, and oh, I appreciate with, it, man. Uh, with the Airbnb Mastery Summit, that you, you did a pretty good job at organizing that as well. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm just obsessed with it, man. It's, you know, I come from, my background is in real estate developing and investing, and it's a whole different industry. It's, I, I feel like Airbnb has rebirthed this industry of short-term rentals and merged it with real estate investing. And I'm just obsessed with it. I, I feel like we're in the, the beginning stages of a new wave of real estate opportunity. And uh, it's fun and it's cool. Like we, we get to have properties in really cool areas all around the country. Uh, next year, we're going to start expanding internationally. Um, and I get to connect with amazing people like yourself. So yeah, I'm just obsessed with it, man. So I love creating training and just giving out content of what we're learning as we grow our business. Just a random question. I was looking into the Airbnb Open. Do you think it's ever going to happen again? I don't know, man. I don't know. I hope it does. Um, the last one was incredible. I think uh, I think that ended when when Chip Chip left uh, Airbnb. So um, I don't know. Maybe they're hiring. Maybe I'll, I'll go up there and 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 run it for them. But uh, yeah, they they definitely need to bring it back, man. That was a good time. Yeah, the latest I saw on this topic was in some community Airbnb thread. Uh, somebody commented in in April or something that they're still trying to figure out how to, you know, bring most value to Airbnb hosts and stuff like that. But it really sounded like they had no plan at all. So um, yeah, I'd be surprised if they if they ever organize one again. It's I also imagine. I mean, the last one in Los Angeles. It's it's quite a organization. I mean, it, it was massive. It was yeah, it was huge. They had, didn't they have like Lady Gaga perform in the middle of it? You know, it's like, it was a massive, massive undertaking. And I remember running into Chip um, randomly um, during the Airbnb open in LA and just trying to have a small little interaction with him. And you could just see the amount of stress that was on him for running that event. Um, so, but he did such an incredible job organizing that Airbnb, Airbnb just did an incredible job with the entire event. So I hope they put it back on, but I, it's, they're going to need an, another chip on their team to, uh, to organize it correctly. Yeah. I don't know if they can find another chip though. He was a bit of a unique character, wasn't he? <laughs> I love that guy. I love that guy. He just came out with a new book. Um, if anybody is not familiar with Chip, Chip Conley. He, uh, he's written a few books, um, but one of my favorites from him is uh, Peak. And I've read that a couple of times now and my whole team has read it. Um, and it, it's just incredible, his look at hospitality and then how he, how he trained his team to really go above and beyond with hospitality and really focus on the culture of the team, the culture of their business and, and moving that forward, transferring that to their guests. Um, so that highly recommended book. And he just came out with a new one, uh, which I haven't read yet, but uh, I'm sure it's just as amazing. 
Well, let's go back in time a little bit. First day, September 2014. First day, uh, September 25, 2014. Uh, I actually released an episode. I was I had the pleasure to interview him on the podcast in episode 24. Oh, very nice. So that's like just, 24. Yeah, just over two years ago. No, four years ago. Just over four years ago. Yeah. But I remember oh, he gave some really good tips. I'll have to go back and listen to that. Should get him on again. He's uh, curious what he's up to nowadays. Yeah, yeah. No, he was he was out of all the Airbnb people that I tried to get on the podcast. Uh, he was kind of the only one who was excited. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I I tried well, for a long time. I tried to get uh, Brian Chesky on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. He seems to be quite busy. He's a little bit a little busy. I I, I would assume. <laughs> what do you think he's working on? Starting a new airline. You know, it's it's so funny. I um I was masterminding on that topic yesterday with with a bunch of uh, entrepreneur friends, uh, just chatting about what Airbnb has done and and where they're going. And obviously, you know, the rumors are that they're going to go public in 2019, which would be incredible because um, now they can really start competing with the bigger guys like Expedia and um, you know. Just, you know, Google's coming into the space. So there's going to be a lot of competitors, bigger competitors. So for them to go public, I'm pretty excited to watch them do that. Um, so I know as a CEO, uh, you know, focusing on going public with their company, I'm sure is insanely busy with that. But I truly believe, man, like we're going to see over the next couple of years, Airbnb just fully taking over all everything travel and everything experience as you go into a city so obviously they have their properties locked down they they're doing an incredible job with with the experiences on their platform um, now they're tapping into music venues um, they're going to probably rewrite what that looks like to see a local show in a city uh, they're partnering now with with restaurants so I just see them just becoming like the Google of travel you know you you want to do anything in you know search engine wise you know google has all these different tools and all of that to run your business i feel airbnb is going to be similar to that with the travel side so i'm excited man i'm excited to see where all this goes um i know they're tapping into the real estate development world as well so yeah i wouldn't be surprised if they they started their own airline system but that's uh that's a challenging industry for sure. Yeah, I I, I was reading up on uh, some some opinions that, that I found, and this one person was saying that uh, that he thinks they they're going to start an airline, and in order to be competitive, and they're going to offer people who use the you know air the Airbnb airline to be able to check in at any time when they arrive in their city at at any at their at any Airbnb. That's what mm. I, that's what I read. Uh, was, oh, interesting. Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting, huh? Um, but yeah, it's somebody, really interesting. Somebody else was saying that they're working more on on like a like kind of a sky scanner, just like a kind of a search engine for for flights. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's I'm really excited as well to see what they can do in the airline space because I think I feel like in the airline space. In the last 40, 30, 40 years or so, essentially not that much has changed. 
uh, other than a lot of things that you used to be able to do, you can't do anymore. And there's a lot more hassle around like security and stuff. Right. But in terms right. of like service, uh, yeah, and and like uh, how do you say innovation? It has definitely yep. not a lot has changed. It hasn't moved. No, the dial hasn't moved that much. You know, of course, um, Virgin did an incredible job to kind of reset the standards of quality uh, on their airlines. And, you know, of course, they sold to Alaska, which, you know, they do an incredible job as well. But, you know, know, just like you, I fly and travel quite a bit. And every single time I'm there, I go through an airport or I sit on a plane. I'm a big guy. I'm, you know, 6'4", 220 pounds. So I barely fit in planes. Um, Every single time I'm there, I'm like, man, this whole industry is just waiting for disruption. The whole experience, it's just not a fun experience being on a plane, you know. And I think what Airbnb does better than anybody in the world is recreate experiences, you know, and they, they create incredible experiences on, you know, guest side, the host side. Now, obviously their experience, uh, uh, section on their website. So it, I wouldn't be surprised if they came in and kind of did a virgin 2.0 to really recreate the experience of travel. Um, yeah. And I can't wait for them to do that. Yeah, and talking about uh, airplanes and, and travel, I started flying quite a bit with uh, Norwegian. Have you heard of them? I have. Never flew. So the reason I'm, I'm flying a lot with them these days is that, you know, they have a, a premium class. And just for the record, I usually fly economy class just because that's the, you know, according to the step to business class, it's just, it's just too much. Right, often it's three or four times as 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 expensive, and it's just not worth mm-hmm. it for me. Um, so typically, I always fly economy class, but but Norwegian has has a, a premium class that's not quite business class, but it's it's pretty close, I'd say. I would definitely say it turns uh, a you know an airplane experience into a, an enjoyable experience, just because you you know you have more space and it's you know you get a little bit better food and, and you have just mm-hmm. you know better better attention and everything so um and and that's not too expensive there those tickets are actually quite affordable uh, i've been able to book a one-way ticket from us to europe and i've just booked one to singapore from barcelona and back and those tickets go for about around 800 dollars i'd say um and, and again it's not quite business class but it's it's pretty close to business class Whereas a right. business class ticket often costs, uh, you know, at least say at least fifteen hundred, if not two thousand, twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah, but it blows my mind how expensive uh, first class can get. Um, but I tell you what, that's that's one goal of mine is to uh, I, I have it on my my dream board and I visualize it. You know, a couple days a week is to get to the point where every time I travel, I can go in first class. <laughs> I just can't I can't stand economy anymore. <laughs> Have you heard about JetSmarter and these other jet services? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I bounced through them. I haven't smart, heard of uh, JetSmart, but uh, I bounced through those pages quite a bit. All right, so I tried JetSmarter, uh, which basically you pay. I, I don't, I didn't do it anymore now, but I did it one year, where I, th- I think I paid like twelve, fifteen thousand dollars or something, and then you can you can fly unlimited with private jets as long as it's less than three hours. 
Oh. And then you get some credits for Intercontinental. So I actually flew from London to New York once. And I mean, that was, that was incredible. I mean, that, that was such an enjoyable experience because it's not just uh, the amount of space that you have in the plane and everything, but it's, it's more so, you know, you get to arrive in a, in a special terminal. You don't have to wait very long. You can arrive like 10, 15 minutes in advance. And then when mm. you land, you know, you just, you walk out of, you walk out of the plane, you're on the tarmac, they give you a suitcase and then you walk straight to the separate immigration and literally within 10 minutes, you can be in, in an Uber. I love that. So, because even if you fire first class, you still have to deal with those, the, all the hassle at the airport. Yep. 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 Yeah. Another, another really good hack for, for the ones that can't afford a 12 to $15,000 a year ticket, which, you know, it sounds like an incredible ROI uh, on that. But another really good hack is the, um, the pre-check, TSA pre-check. Um, so I, I'm always surprised on how few people actually have this. Um, but in, I, and I don't know if this is something that is global or if you have to be a U.S. resident for this, but um, the pre-check literally took me, took me a week to go through the process. But essentially, you go into your local airport, you sit down, they ask you a bunch of different questions uh they take a photo of you you give them all your info the government does a quick little background check on you and a week later you receive a pre-check card with some information and that just allows you to skip all the lines um and gives you some extra perks as well but it's saving me at least an hour and a half of travel every single time i go to an airport and you know, when you, when you fly out early or whatever, hour and a half is a lot of time. So, and it's, it's like 50 bucks to get it, but that's another hack that I like to tell people that travel quite a bit is just to go through the, the pre-check uh, process. Yeah. I've, I always see that pre-check thing, but I don't think I qualify as a non-American citizen. But, okay. uh, I will definitely check it out next time I go to the Yeah. Place. There's this other thing called global entry that, uh, mm-hmm that you can apply as a, as a foreigner, but your, your country has to have some sort of partnership with the U S in order to qualify for that. I actually looked into it and my country, unfortunately doesn't have that arrangement yet. So, uh, but yeah, okay. that sounds, that sounds incredible because that's a, that's a big part of the hassle, right? The, the lines and the security and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. It takes up a lot of time. Definitely. Eric, we're, uh, we're getting to the end of the episode. Uh, always, always great talking to you. And I, I wanted to mention, I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but me and Eric have actually been brainstorming about, you know, doing a retreat for Airbnb mm-hmm. hosts. And, you know, especially now that Airbnb open doesn't happen anymore. Uh, we thought it'd be really cool to get a bunch of people together, go to some really cool country like Costa Rica or something, rent a gigantic villa and, you know, spend two or three days talking about Airbnb, learning from each other, uh, maybe inviting some interesting speakers and, and also just have a lot of fun and, uh, you know, do some cool activities. So yeah, I think that would yeah, be man. A, a, I love that. Fun, right. Dude, I can't, I can't wait for us to put together our first retreat. It's gonna, it's gonna be incredible, man. I've been honestly thinking about it, uh, every day, uh, just thinking, I'm like, how awesome would that be to, to just get into one of these incredible 20 bedroom villas, you know, and just bringing down, tapping into both of our networks and just bringing, bringing down some really incredible hosts 
to figure out how do we, how do we grow our businesses and, and become more profitable and then do some cool stuff along, you know, uh, alongside that surfing, hiking, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, yeah. Really excited about getting a retreat going with you. Yeah, me too. So, uh, you know, we've, we just started kind of the process of, uh, of brainstorming, like what, you know, what, what would we, what would, uh, what would it, would it look like exactly? And, uh, if you're interested again, please reach out to Jasper at Get Paid for Your Pad. Uh, sorry, Jasper at Get Paid for getpaidforyourpad.com. I don't know my email, own email address anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's funny. But um, yeah, I reached out, Jasper at getpaidforyourpad.com. A few people actually have already reached out. So that's really cool. Oh, very nice. And if you do reach out, uh, you know, feel free to, to give us some ideas as well as, as, as what you'd be interested in in learning. I mean, obviously, the, the topic of Airbnb is quite broad. Um, we, there's there's all sorts of uh, topics that we can talk about just on this episode. We've already talked about like different business models, and mm-hmm. and so I, I, I think there's a, it would be really great if uh, if we would have a good idea of what people are looking for. So yeah, so reach out and uh, and let let us know what you uh, what you'd be interested in, and then we'll you know we'll take on the the task of uh, of putting it all together. Um, yeah. Eric. For, for people who are interested in learning from you, and I'm sure there's a lot of people because you know, I'm, I'm very interested in learning from you, so I'm sure there's a lot of people too. <laughs> where, where can they go? Because I know you have so much stuff going on. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. So um, for the immediate, the for anybody who's interested in the co-host model, uh, definitely check out the training that we're going to put on. Something that uh, my team and I have been working on for couple of months now. So we're pretty excited about it. Um, but they can, you can find that going to cohostmastery.com slash Airbnb dash masterclass. Um, and then the best way to get in touch with me, communicate with me and just learn everything that we're working on is actually going through the private Facebook group that, uh, we're all involved with. Uh, I found that's the best way for people to reach out to me. Um, so anybody who wants to join that group and just communicate with everybody and then contact me, uh, just go to airbnbprofitclub.com, um, jot in your info and then we'll just add you into the private group. Um, so again, that's airbnbprofitclub.com and that, that'll be the best way to communicate with me. Awesome. And you can even communicate with me cause I'm in that group too. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. You're one of our prize monitors in that uh in that group (laughs) yeah man fun to be part of that uh all right eric thank you so much for coming on i'm sure the listeners will really appreciate uh this this episode and uh we'll keep working on that retreat and all the other cool stuff uh that uh, that you're working on and that we could potentially work on together so uh appreciate it man of course i appreciate you and uh appreciate all your listeners thanks for your time Thanks to everybody for listening. And of course, next Wednesday, there's going to be another episode. And by the way, don't forget to tune in to the live streams every Monday at 11 a.m. PST. I, I've been doing a couple now where I review other people's Airbnb listings. And there's always somebody, something to learn from looking at somebody else's Airbnb listing. I always learn something from it. And so on YouTube, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel and, and then you'll get notified. So thanks for listening and until next time.
your pet Get paid for 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 your pet